This podcast contains strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to We're Not Over Six Feet Under, the show where we talk about the aughts most morose TV show about a Gen Xer in a funeral home and mortality and stuff, episode by episode, spoiler free. I'm your host, Jenna Shearer. And I'm your other host, Caroline McGraw. And And this this is is our our first first episode. episode. Yay. Hooray. (laughs) Uh, So Jenna, tell, tell me and the audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm a writer and an editor, and I write about movies and TV for Rolling Stone. I live in Brooklyn, and I'm currently looking for a new dog to adopt. So if you hear about one, let me know. I will let you know. We're going to follow that journey with you. Thank you. Uh, Tell me a little bit about yourself, Caroline. I also live in Brooklyn, and I'm a playwright and screenwriter. My plays have been done off-Broadway and regionally around the country. And I live with my husband and our very white cat. What's the name of your very white cat? Uh, his name is Bowie, and uh, he has one green eye and one blue eye, Aww. and he's a tiny prince. Just like the him. real Bowie. Just like the real David Bowie. I didn't know that until we got the cat. Yep. So this so this podcast started last summer. Uh, I personally was quite uh, bored <laughs> and was <laughs> riding upstate to upstate New York on the bus a lot, and I uh, decided to rewatch Six Feet Under and uh, tweet about it and tweet about how uh, well it had held up over the years and uh, and put it in the context of uh, what was going on today in the world. And uh, uh, our mutual friend, Megan, uh, hi, Megan. <laughs> uh, Hello, Megan. Hello, Megan, uh, was following those tweets and I believe pointed them out to you because she knew you were uh, also a huge Six Feet Under fan. Yep. You know, when I think of the the TV shows that like made me go, oh, television can be really good because before that I was watching, you know, Smallville and stuff because high school's garbage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I think of, uh, of um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm-hmm. and Six Feet Under. Yeah. Those are like, for me, like the founding pillars of television, which I know isn't historically accurate, but... <laughs> That that's how it feels to me. Uh, yeah, I just remember really getting into the series like around I want to say around 2003 I'd been like I think I had cable for the first time as an adult I mean I wasn't an adult I was 19 but <laughs> as an adult and um I uh you know started watching the show and I was the exact same age as Claire Fisher and that was very exciting to me and I was probably a year younger than Claire mm. but pretty close yeah We'll get into it, but now we're the same age as another character. Yep. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's talk about the episode. The episode uh, first aired on June third, two thousand and one. Oh, uh, just just three months before nine eleven. Uh, it was written and directed by Alan Ball. Uh, our producer Allison has uh, let us know that the top grossing movies that week were Pearl Harbor and Shrek. <laughs> Um, and that uh, topping the Billboard charts was Lady Marmalade with Christina Aguilera, Lil' Kim, Maya, and Pink. 
Um, so this, in it's sort of in the context of, of HBO, um, this was, Six Feet Under was kind of the third prestige drama that HBO yeah. ever did, because first you had Oz. Uh, I forget I about watched. Oz because I can't with Oz. Please continue. Sure. So there was Oz. There was Oz, and then in 1999, there was The Sopranos, yes. which I have not watched, and people yell at me about they all should. the time. Yes. And probably people are going to yell at me more about it now because I'm broadcasting that I have not watched it. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't tell it. It's, it's, uh, you're just in for a real treat. Um, I can't think about James Gandolfini without crying. Aww. I love him so much. So this is like, yeah, this is like the third drama. And then Sex and the City is the like the com- comedy. And this is, yeah, this is like the third big drama. And it's so, it has such a different vibe. <laughs> Yeah. than those other two shows. Yeah, for sure. Well, and the weird thing is you'd think that they would like want to lead with another drama before this drama, but I looked it up and this show actually aired right after Sex and the City. So the pilot aired right after the season four premiere of Sex and the City. Oh, wow. Which is just a real um, strange Those don't choice. go together. To start, let's, to start off, mm-hmm. I think this pilot is a great pilot. It's a great pilot. I read a lot of pilots I watch a lot of pilots it does everything a pilot is supposed to do it's also like an hour and five minutes long so it has <laughs> a long time to do it but it it does everything it introduces the characters in interesting ways it introduces like the themes that the show is going to be obsessed with like again no spoilers but like this these these themes will come up constantly over mm-hmm. the course of the show and it it's funny yeah it introduces the it's like the dialogue is really good like it's it's a really good pilot it it knows exactly what it's going to be it does a lot of table setting without doing too much exposition um and like you said it's funny I think that's something that um even when I think back about Six Feet Under and I haven't watched it in a while I forget how funny it is Uh, so let's talk through the cast really quickly for our listeners who aren't super familiar with the show Peter Krause plays Nate Fisher um, our hero, our hero, I'm quote unquote, doing air quotes right now. Um, our hero, uh, Lauren Ambrose plays Claire Fisher. Francis Conroy plays Ruth Fisher. Uh, Michael C. Hall plays David Fisher. Freddie Rodriguez plays Federico, Federico Diaz. Diaz. I couldn't remember his. I was just going <laughs> to say Rico. And uh, and Richard Jenkins plays uh, Nathaniel Senior Fisher. Uh, Nathaniel Fisher. Nate, F- Nate Senior. Yes. Nathaniel Senior. Rachel Griffiths plays Brenda Chenoweth. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeremy Sisto plays Billy Chenoweth. Yep. Um, oh, and Keith. Char- I'm sorry. Matthew St. Patrick plays Keith Charles. Um, um, oh, and, and so another thing, like just to set the stage here a little bit, um, the show is set in L.A. It is a very, yes. very L.A. show. It is such an L.A. show. I did not realize. I had not been to Los Angeles when I watched the show for the first time. And I now that I have, have been, not been to Los oh Angeles. Oh, my God. You're going to go to L.A. and you're going to be like, this is <laughs> the playground of the Fishers. It yes. feels so distinct. It feels very, very L.A. Yeah, I was so on um, on Alan Ball's commentary track. Uh, he said that he said it in L.A. because, quote, L.A. is the world capital of the denial of death. Oh, which yeah. that was an interesting thought. That's fair. So before we get into the episode, this show has a pretty iconic credit sequence. Right? Yeah, the theme music is Thomas Newman, mm-hmm. who is the composer on American Beauty. Yes, Shawshank Redemption, oh, Wally. That's right. Oh, 
wow he he has a lot of range yep um and the credits are seven hours long <laughs> they are <laughs> But there, it's a beautiful, dreamy seven it's hours. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And then as the credits finish up, we are taken into um, a fake commercial, yep. uh, which we are a spoiler-free podcast, but these fake commercials will never come back again. Yeah. They're a pilot only. Thank God. Situation. Yes. They um, kind of suck. I wish I remembered what I felt when I watched this the first time. I probably thought it was like super cool and weird and edgy. Yeah. And like looking back on it, it is has not aged as well as some of the other aspects of the pilot no it's very um it's these fake commercials for like embalming fluid and you know like facial reconstruction makeup and it's very like on the nose yeah like hitting you on the nose so much your nose breaks yes on the nose yes so once we get our commercial out of the way we're introduced to the family um we meet uh nathaniel senior uh soon to be r.i.p nathaniel (laughs) senior who is um who is driving uh, to the airport to pick up um, his son, uh, Nate Jr., who here, heretofore known as Nate, Nate. Um, who is uh, who lives in Seattle and who yes. is coming home for Christmas um, because it is Christmas in L.A. Yeah, the something that I've really noticed about this this particular thing is so they make a big deal like. David, when he's talking to Claire, is like, we never get to spend time together as a family. And like, you know, it's like Nate's coming home. Oh, my God. But then they see he was just home at Thanksgiving. Yeah, which is recent. So I'm like, Nate, I am, do not have a fraught relationship with my family in this way. And I don't go home for Thanksgiving and Christmas. No. Like, that's like, so I'm like, is Nate actually? And it's like, Claire doesn't know Nate. And it's like this whole thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. seems like Nate be around. <laughs> maybe, right. But maybe, uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe Thanksgiving was the first time in a long time. Yeah. Maybe but, Thanksgiving um, was like Nate's triumphant return. Triumphant return. And then this is his like less than triumphant return yep. 20 days later. yes he's like oh here we go again tv was like hungry for the like charismatic male anti-hero i mean it still is but and, like, yeah because then you had Mad Men and breaking bad a few yes, years later yeah totally and so nate is sort of our charismatic i mean he's not like on par with us tony soprano mm-hmm. or but he's our charismatic male anti-hero but it's i just think it's so fascinating because he's so hard he i find him like on this rewatch I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Right. Just constantly. Yeah. Which I think is like a, is, I'm like, is Alan Ball commenting on the antihero? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just something, it's a question. I don't have, I don't think there's an answer, but I, it's like a question I have. I'm like, is this like actually a way to like talk about Ruth and Claire? And like, we're, you know, it's just like, it was a way to get it on television that you had this antihero, but he clearly loves Nate. Like he's like drawn to Nate as a yeah. character, but it's just like, I'm so curious about it. Well, I mean, here's the thing that I wonder about it. And, you know, listen, Listening to Alan Ball's commentary, I think he's much more sympathetic to Nate than we are. Sure. Um, also, it was, it's, a a different culture, yeah. it's a different culture. And it's a different different moment. Time. Yeah, it's a hugely different cultural moment. But I think, um, I don't know if he even, and this I think obviously changes as the show goes on, but at this point, I don't even think he even views Nate as an anti-hero. No, you're right. You're right. I, he's I think complicated. He, I think he thinks of him as a complicated hero. Um, yeah. In, in a very like in a in a way that almost feels like a like a Eugene O'Neill character or yeah. something. Like I think yeah. he thinks of him as very sympathetic. So we meet Nate coming off of an airplane with 
uh, a beautiful woman who has been styled so horribly, <laughs> so upsetting. I know you've been waiting to talk about I this. I only wanted to do this podcast so I could talk about Brenda's clothes and <laughs> styling. Brenda Chenoweth, played by Rachel Griffiths, has been given the worst haircut. She's a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. What did she do? We're going to, this is going to be a 60 part series finding out what she did to the hair and makeup people. It's going to be your magnum <laughs> and opus. The, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get her on the podcast and be like, did you say something weird the first day? And then they just hated you. It just, her clothing is so awful. She's wearing uh, what, what looks to be like a floor length, almost floor length hoodie that is brown, like brown the color of a turd brown (laughs) like why would they ever do this to a beautiful woman like Rachel Griffiths she's so gorgeous and so but like you're also the whole Brenda's whole thing is that she has over the course of this hour-long flight from Seattle to LA seduced the incredibly handsome Peter Krause yep so handsome oh my god he's I mean he gets away with a host of sins because of how like they're they're casting is amazing I mean, we'll, we'll get into, uh, I'm sure as this show goes on, my like huge crush on Nate Fisher yes. that I now realize is a big problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, no, yeah, we're definitely But it's 90%, you know, Peter Krause's like, like five o'clock shadow jawline. Yes. Like, ugh. His perfect square head. Oh my God, his perfect square head. <laughs> perfect square it's head. Like a monolith. Well, and then, the, you know, and then they have, um, they have sex in a, it looks like a, a utility closet yeah. at the airport, uh-huh. which again, like pre-9-11 security measures <laughs> oh there. God. Eleven airport everybody and I guess Nate senior is supposed to be roaming around the airport trying to find Nate this is not the right? the pre 9-11 of this show is is extraordinary they don't even I mean, go through it's baggage the only claim. season no they don't there seems to be no security it is fascinating and we'll get into this over the course of the our our podcast but the that this is the season that takes place before 9-11 mm-hmm. and then like nothing is ever nothing is ever like quite that easy again so after the utility closet sex we're introduced to ruth the matriarch of the family in the kitchen making a pot roast yes. in a in an extreme housewifing way. Yes. And David, um, the middle son, is is in the kitchen with her, just sort of, I don't know, sitting politely. Yeah. Oh, he's about to go to he's about to go into work. That's right. He's they're they're about to have a funeral. There's a funeral yeah. that's going to because the the funeral so the the Fisher house is sort of a character in and of itself. Yes. It's this this big honking Victorian it's so big monster. Yes. Um, and everything is sort of carpeted and muffled and boxed and in. like bottle green yeah and, yeah and it's like so they live in the same place where they have funerals which yes. just is probably wonders for your psyche yes um as we, we know from Allison Bechtel's fun home as well yes I, so yeah so that's and then we have Claire who's the like rebel teenager yes and she oh, is at cool. a like janky ass teenage party yes um where they are party is such a strong word for what this okay. is it's, right, a it's, it's a hang it's a hang, hang. It is a hang. I think she calls it. She calls it a party. She calls it a party. But it's a. Yeah. It's no. It's it's just some some sketchy people. Some extremely <laughs> sketchy people, and it's like it's not like she's doing like normal teenage marijuana. No, she's she is meth. smoking meth out of like one of those glass meth pipes. Yeah, and she keeps calling it crack. Fully math with Eric Balfour. With Eric Balfour, uh, who is who's credited as Claire's math date. Yep. Um, but who will later? No spoilers. But he will later get a name. Yep, he will. <laughs> but we won't tell you what we it is. We won't tell you what it is. But he's coming back. Um, um, so yeah. So we kind of get that like roundtable of family introductions, and then boom, 
uh, Nathaniel Sr. gets hit by a bus while he's lighting a cigarette. Um, yeah. Which is just, you know, the way you go if you're from the greatest generation. So then it's Ruth who gets the news. Ruth gets the news. She she throws the phone away. And then she just, she destroys the kitchen yes. in this. So good. It's this like series <laughs> of tiny screams. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we'll talk like over and over again what a great actress oh, Frances Conroy is. Oh my God, Frances Conroy. But she just. Why you, isn't she in everything? Right? You just. Fine. You just feel her pain like so, yeah. so intensely. And like the surprise, like obviously it's a surprise, but just the like sheer like what the, like how she was just talking to this person and now they're dead. Yeah. Going forward, we don't, you know, Nathaniel's dead. Yeah. And we like so much of the show, no spoilers, but so much of the show, uh, at least especially in the first scenes, ends up being about like what they all thought of this man. Yeah. But we don't really ever know who he really was. Yeah. We no, we know. only know who he is through their through their know, eyes, through their eyes, yeah. and through the way they talk about him and the way they kind of have like arranged their lives mm-hmm. in opposition to him or or parallel to his. You know, we do we do see in this episode that like David crazy yeah. craved his approval. Poor David. Poor David. I mean, let and so. We don't actually like once we find out there that he's dead. Ruth tells David, mm-hmm. and then when Nate and Claire get the news, they're on the phone. It's David who has to deliver the David news. David tells, yeah, David tells them. But yeah, David. I mean, I really, I really feel hard for David. I mean, always, but especially in this pilot because he is just. He is the put together one. He's yeah. the one who is like always trying to do everything right. Yeah. He, he doesn't really, I mean, none of them really let themselves feel in a healthy way. The Fishers. Yeah, but he really doesn't. He really, I mean, he is, he is, I mean, and the costume design does a lot here because he is literally buttoned up. Yes. He is, he is in a suit, I think through the entirety yeah, of Yeah, no, you never see yeah. him in anything casual. You mm-hmm. see Peter Krause running <laughs> and like, old old garbage sweats like you see Claire I mean Claire looks perfect but like (laughs) you know you see Claire and sort of her various like like cool teenager garbs yeah and you Um, see Ruth in her like nightgown you know you see Ruth in her nightgown like tortured but I guess comfy nightgown and I mean I don't know I I always think Ruth's clothes look very comfy (laughs) they totally do (laughs) she's got that sort of like homesteader yeah homesteader vibe yes um so nate finds out and then nate has this car ride with brenda where they're like they were not planning on seeing they were not planning on seeing each other again and they're like trading stories we find you know we find out that brenda is both her parents are psychiatrists which is which is like wonderful yeah and it's like bantery, but it is it is so funny. Like it was something where I was like, again, this is like how adults do things, mm-hmm. and it's such a like it's actually like so awkward. Like yeah, it's I, it's not hot necessarily. I'm like a little worried for myself watching the show at like a developmental stage in my life where I was yeah. like, oh, this is how adults should be. Yeah, like yeah. I don't. I'm a little worried about how I probably impressed upon this show. Yes, uh, and and you know what is <laughs> done to me as a human being. And they definitely have chem. I mean, they have so much chemistry. Peter Krausen and. Uh, Rachel, Rachel Griffiths yeah. has so much chemistry. Oh, absolutely. And Brenda and Nate do. And so it is something that like, but you know, again, no spoilers, but like this relationship will develop through the show. And he really like lays an amazing groundwork. It's interesting that Nate is so like good at flirting. <laughs> when he's like just found 
out that his father died. Like you get it with Brenda, but Nate like Nate like holds it together banter wise. He does because like I mean a lot of the rest of the episode he spends sort of like spewing like rage at everybody. Yes. Oh God. It, it, yeah, when he's in the car with Brenda, I mean I think you can chalk it up to to Nate kind of being in shock the way he's sort of just like I I feel like maybe Nate's natural mode is just like flirt. Yeah. So he's like, this yes. is easy to do. Yes, totally, totally. I mean, everybody's in shock. But the way that he talks to people in this episode oh my God. is so bonkers. Particularly the way he talks to Claire. Yes. He's so mean to Claire. Poor, like, tweaking on meth Claire. So so this might be a good time to introduce uh, a <laughs> recurring segment. Heaven can't, Nate. Uh, which will focus on the most egregious thing that Nate does in any given episode. Uh, it will be tough to narrow it down each week, but we're going to do our best. And, and don't worry, there won't be an episode where we'll be like, hey, he was just great this episode. No, no, no. It will no. never, it will, oh, it will be every episode without fail uh, <laughs> because, uh, you know, just it's going to happen. Um, and I would say that this week it is uh, the way he just yells at Claire after Claire tells him that she has done these drugs. She did not know her father was going to die. Sure, who does? And who does? Who could have predicted this? And he totally freaks out at her in the most selfish way imaginable. I, I think he actually says to her, you cannot do this to me right yes. now. Yes, oh my God. It is the, it's Nate Fisher, everybody. Like, you cannot do this to me right now. No, nothing is happening to anybody else. Nope, it's just happening to him. It's just happening to him. Hateful. <laughs> Nate, Nate Fisher is like, um, not to like bust out the big words, but Nate Fisher is like solipsism personified. Yes, absolutely. Like everything is like revolves around, is like about and within him, you know, like throughout the show. And he talks about, he sort of like talks about himself in a, you know, I keep coming back to where he talks about how he's 35, which, um, <laughs> so <laughs> oh, are no. some other people involved in this, but he's, th- you know, he's 35. He's a, he's an assistant manager at a, you know, what I imagine is a wild oats. <laughs> um, it's canon. It's canon. I hope it's a wild oats. Um, uh, at a, you know, at this food co-op and, you know, he like has a lot of sex, but it doesn't ever lead anywhere and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, how are you able to see yourself so clearly? <laughs> and then, and I mean, that's what this show is about a lot. Yeah. It's like people who are sort of unable to modify their behavior. <laughs> that, is, that is what this, yeah. And, and it's who, are, like... who are unable to see, have have no sense of how other people perceive them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it checks out thematically, but it is, it is so crazy that he can be so self-aware. And then in the next minute, just be a night just be a total nightmare to everybody i think i feel like he almost i think he knows he's a nightmare and gives himself permission to do it yeah but um i mean he and claire have 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 a big arc in this episode they do yeah there's they they like make peace with each other a little bit because they i mean you know they're i think they both kind of fancy themselves the rebel of the family yeah totally um but in two very different ways so basically in summary Stop it, Nate. We're all afraid of death. You're not special. Stop yelling at your poor tweaking sister. End of segment. 
Um, so where are we? So, so, we're, we are, so we're at the morgue. We're at the morgue. Uh, the whole family is, 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 in, uh, is in one place and Brenda. They have to figure out who's going to identify the body. Oh, yes, that's right. That's and, right. And Ruth doesn't want to do it, although it, it's... So this is the part where you kind of see how wrapped up this whole family is in like the like kind of sort of cold commodification of death yeah. and what that means when it's actually somebody in their family because Ruth is is talking about like well like like what is his body going to look like for the viewing like yeah. will we be able to embalm him yeah a lot of what this episode focuses on is the fact of Nathaniel senior's body like, yes yeah we see him alive briefly at the beginning and then we just get a lot of like Richard Jenkins or like weird plastic models yeah. of dead Richard Jenkins but i mean it like that body looks real dead. Yeah, like, I th- I feel like a lot of shows where you see dead bodies, it's just like, oh, that's a person with their eyes closed. Right, right, right. That's the actor, and they um, slap some powder on yeah. them. But yeah, but the, these bodies, like, I mean, it looks like a man who was hit by a bus. Um, and and you see it throughout. You see it when his body gets identified at the morgue. You see it as as Rico is is working on the body, and then as David is working on the body. Um, yeah, and then you see it, in, you know, in the casket at the end. And yeah, I think like. Nathaniel Sr. in this episode, like his presence, there's there's his presence as a body, but then there's also his presence as this sort of ghost, this sort of like psychological ghost that's haunting the various members of the family. Yeah, because Nate, Nate Sr. takes on what each family member over the course of the episode, like what each family, how each family member saw him. Yeah. Um, and But she asked Nate to identify the body. That's right. Yeah. She says she can't do it. And then, you know, Nate, it does also give Nate something else to be pissed off about, which yep. he, he truly needed. And when, when Nate goes into the room with the body and we see the body for the first time, um, this is the first um, time we see like the sort of, I don't even want to call him a ghost. Like I want to call him like Spectre? a like a psychological projection. projection. I don't projection. know. But we can call him a ghost for brevity's yeah. sake. This is the first time we see the ghost of Nathaniel Sr. appear to a member of the family. Right. Um, and so, like, while Nate is looking at his very dead, beat-up body, he looks up and the coroner is suddenly his father. Yeah. And he says um, he says something like, oh, actually, I know exactly what he says because from the Six Feet Under soundtrack, there's, like, a techno remix <gasps> oh, that's of the r- intro. Oh, my God, yes. you ta- We have talked about this. And it mic. has random quotes from the show, and this is where Richard Jenkins goes, well, 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 the prodigal returns. Oh, my God. It's I, oh, so funny. Oh, the one family member who isn't with them is David. Yeah, so David's not there. David is doing the funeral. David's, that's right. So there's a funeral happening. Poor David. I, I know I've said poor David two million times, but I mean, poor he really is. fucking I know, David. Poor David. Is... He he can't come to like commiserate with his family, although they're not doing a great job of commiserating because he has to host a funeral for a random person person. that they're having at their house, the funeral home. Yeah. Um, And he He has has to go to to work downstairs. (laughs) Yeah, he has to. And he's just, you know, he's like buttoned up and he's trying to be like like this like kind of like somber, comforting, bland presence for everybody there. And like his father just died. Yeah. And he is like not even remotely allowing himself to process it. Yeah. So then, so then they drive home. Um, Claire is freaking out. Claire is still high. Why also, like, are why they letting Claire driving? drive? I guess because Ruth doesn't want to drive. Ruth's husband just died. They don't want Ruth to drive. Maybe mm-hmm. Nate is not. Who Nate probably had his license lapse or something, or like he he. They don't want him to drive when he's not on the insurance, so it's on his car. But like she's she's losing her mind. Um, and then they have uh, Nate and Claire have the fight. Uh, outside the hearse 
um, about like basically she says you're not my dad. <laughs> yeah, she. I think she like literally says she that. might literally say yeah. you're not my father. Yeah, um, and she definitely says it subtextually. Um, and then they get home and it and uh, see David and Nate has uh, f- fucked up already by not getting the body not bringing the body home and david has to go get the body because it like he just id'd it right because because nate is the one who has run away from the family business yeah and um, and has no idea how to do anything no idea how to do anything willfully and it, and it never would have yeah on purpose yeah, like never would have occurred to he him he went he went to organic groceries which are like the opposite of dead bodies i guess are they oh yeah that's right like you know like growing things if we want to get into the the symbolism of it yes oh my gosh david is like why would you not pick up the body and i i, I actually i, I get nate's I, side in this I he's like i don't know how to pick up a body he doesn't know how and he's they're like she has a, her, a hearse or whatever and it's like yeah but it's her car um, and actually i mean we should also briefly talk about how cool claire's car is it is a lime green hearse it's so cool it's so like imagine how cool that would be to drive around when you're 17 18 well this is something that i think is that we'll talk about as the series goes is that like alan ball loves a disaffected teenage girl see thora birch and american beauty um and both thora birch and lauren ambrose are like gorgeous and cool and we're supposed to sort of believe that they're neither of those or that like they're gorgeous and they don't know it Mm -hmm. and that like they aren't cool and you're like yeah but they would totally be cool and like any I mean I don't know I guess like you see Claire as sort of like a loner but she would be the coolest girl in school oh my god right I'd be like I want to be her but um but yeah we see Claire's Claire's car is uh dope as hell Mm -hmm. um so then we get into we go to then the we get into room, the right? yes, we get into the reconstruction of yeah. Nate Senior, and we meet Rico. We meet Rico, <laughs> Lord. Oh boy, Rico! It's not the actor's fault, whose name I forget constantly. Even Freddy though I've Rodriguez. Seen the show. Freddy Rodriguez. It's not Freddy Rodriguez's fault. Ah. Uh, and, you know, Rico is, I think that actually the pilot does a great job of introducing him because you see someone who has, like, the Fishers, like, live in the, a mansion mm-hmm. and have, like, a thriving business and are, like, miserable. And you see someone who's, like, I had to work really hard to, like, put my, and, like, somebody had to help me go through school and everything. And he's just, like, very grateful for his life and his kids mm-hmm. and his, like, talent. And you see somebody who's sort of, like sunny in this place finally yeah i mean in the pilot this changes later in the pilot he's very much just this happy-go-lucky presence that sort of just exists to be in opposition to the fishers yeah you you also kind of get the sense that rico's a little a little twisted because i mean everybody in the show is a little twisted because uh when when he first sees nate he's like literally working on his father's body and he just is like cheerily just like nate what's up yeah yeah yeah. and he's like here look at these other ones i did like these are great like this is how yeah it's no, so it's actually, it's a great, it's, it, it is a really great intro to Rico for sure. Mm-hmm. So Nate, Nate has a flashback where he sees the dead body, a dead body for the first time. He's playing in the funeral home. You think he's four, I think. Mm-hmm. And then, um, or maybe five. And, uh, his dad is like listening to music and working on somebody, Nate senior. He's smoking he's and he's smoking. got an ashtray like on the chest of the cadaver. Oh, yes, that's right. Oh my God. And he's like, so calls 70s. him buddy boy. It's so 70s. Yep. No, but there's no regulation. <laughs> no regulations have been observed. 
and and David is in it too. Yeah, David's in it, but he's 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 not scared. He's, he's not, not scared. scared by the dead body, but but we see Nate is is horrified by it, and his his father holds out these like blue gloves oh, for him yeah. to put on. He's you like, you want to touch it? Yeah, it's so it's fascinating that Nate. It's like this thing that you're like, oh my god, it's so traumatic. But then you're like, but David was fine. And I know people are different, but it's like something where Nate made such a big has made such a big deal about this in his mind. And you're yeah. like, yeah, but David's just chill. Like, I'm, yeah, exactly. Like I don't think David is that scared of death. Nope. And Nate has literally built his life around running away from death. Yep. Sometimes actually running and yeah. running shorts. Literally, literally running. Okay, so then we see um, David go off to take a phone call. Yes. And it is from Keith. It's from Keith Charles. His beautiful boyfriend. The man with two first names. Yep. It's a first name and a last name, but it's still a first name. So good they named him twice. Um, I remember at the time that, like, it was, credit where credit is due, a multiracial gay relationship yeah. on a major television show was so huge. When I used to think of... Um, like gay male characters when I was at, like this age, I would think of like Rupert Everett in My Best Friend's Wedding. Right, 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 right. Like just like he's just this sort of like sexless person. Quippy. Just, yeah, like quippy and like and like something, someone that exists to like not be either like a threat or alluring to the female protagonist. Yeah, totally. Which like is you're the like, gay best friend. Yeah, the gay best friend, exactly. And neither Keith nor David have gay best friend tendencies no, in they're like way. and they're you know and and they're you find out that they they met while they were in, at church mm. um so the cutest cute. so cute and keith is a um keith is a, is a cop he is a cop but we we you know pretty quickly find out that you know that uh david is definitely deeply closeted but also yeah. in a in a steady relationship he's closeted to his family he's, he's deeply closeted, closeted yeah. to his family and like people they know yeah um but not to obviously not to keith so yeah so then the next scene we have is uh nate and claire going to the grocery store this is my i think my favorite scene it's a great in scene. the pilot it's so good like that sort of i mean again talking about how la this show is like a like an empty grocery store on like on christmas yeah with just these sad people roaming through it. i know <laughs> and like looking at the fruits is so great and claire is still so high and they they have this like camaraderie that like i feel like nate and claire in this episode get over their fights with each other very quickly like they do clearly love each other and want to like connect to each other and they get over like nate and david it feels like those fights are never going to be over and nate and claire feel yeah they feel like they have more of a a handle on forgiving each other for things. And so Nate, uh, Nate talks to Brenda on the phone. Mm -hmm. So, uh, while, um, Nate is on the phone with Brenda, um, Claire comes up to him and he screams at her again. Oh my God. Nate. Because Nate. Um, but then they have this like real kind of breakthrough moment where she just sort of like, she, well, she flings a cantaloupe on the ground. Yes. Which which is just great. The way that each of them expresses their grief in these brief, unhealthy little spurts is so great. Yeah. So after the cantaloupe breaks, there's this moment where Claire sort of attack hugs Nate. Yeah. And it's the first time we've seen anybody hug. Yeah. In this entire show. Yeah, totally. And their father died. And their father died. And like, it's Christmas. And it's Christmas. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. It, and it feels very like cathartic. It's, you know, because I'd say that like 
Claire is probably the most expressive of the entire family. Yeah, yeah. And it makes sense that she would sort of be the one to to break the ice. Yeah. So then we get the reconstruction has happened with David helping. Oh, yeah. And getting yelled at by Nate ghost yeah so we see we see david see nate senior's ghost and it's basically him standing over him as he's um as he's reconstructing his father's body just saying like oh you really suck at embalming yeah (laughs) which just poor david and david could have gone to law school but instead he he did this yeah um because he's a good boy he's a good boy so then we're at the viewing um and nate is making everything about him yeah <laughs> he is he is has a real puss on david is like orchestrating the you know is at work mm-hmm. like is orchestrating the funeral um ruth is you know sad. Ruth is like i mean so we get this moment with ruth seeing um as she's getting ready for the viewing yes. seeing her her husband reflected in the mirror um basically like accusing her of something yeah um and we're going to soon gonna, find out what that, that is. The foreshadowing does not last long because we find out almost immediately. But um, um, but first we have this, um, and I think we should actually play this clip. Um, we have this moment where um, where this random woman yes. um, <laughs> comes up to Nate. I'm sorry about your father, but he's in a much better place now. You were so right about that. Who the hell is that? It's really funny. It's it's very well delivered. And it's like, that is a thing like that happens yeah. at a funeral. You get some random person telling you some empty platitude. And I think this is sort of the beginning of what's going to be Nate's big arc, yeah. which is him realizing that he maybe uh, ha- can think of a better way to do mourning yeah. and funerals than yeah. what has been done. Yeah. And, and then Keith, Keith shows up up. and Claire immediately is like, I want to fuck that guy. Oh my God. (laughs) Claire is so. Claire is like putting the moves on like hot, like full uniform. So horny for Keith Keith. (laughs) at this point. Like she just is like, she is like, I am going up. She is 16 years old. (laughs) She is going to fuck the cop in his thirties. And her, her sort of like understanding when she realizes that David and Keith are together when he she sees them together goes from horny for Keith to that's my new brother <laughs> you see this moment just on Claire's face where she realizes that like her brother is gay and this is his boyfriend and she's really happy for him yeah and it like explains so much about it she's like I get David now <laughs> yeah it's like this puzzle piece like fit into place because she like yeah. you know we don't really like I mean, obviously, we get into it later, but in this episode, we don't see much with how those two. Yeah, interact. Claire and David's relationship does not really get fleshed out too much yeah. in this episode. Um, I love the recurring. How does David know a cop? Yeah, they, which feels racist. I like. Right. We're gonna get into as the as the series goes, like the weird race stuff that happens. But it does just feel like it actually feels very true to the Fishers that mm-hmm. like they're like the code is how does David know a, like a hot black guy is how, how does, does David, David know a dot 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 cop? Yep. It's yeah. so it's weird. so Fishers. It's very he's definitely the only person of color at that funeral who's oh, not yeah. at Federico. Well, but Rubico, yeah. uh, he's definitely the only non-employee 
first of color at that funeral. Yeah. And um, he is, and he's, I do feel a little like Keith makes it all about him in this Yeah, scene. it's not great. I don't, it's a way to sort of like get to see what, how David feels about being gay and his mm-hmm. shame around it. But I'm also like. Not the time to test him. Yeah, it's just not, it's not the time to be like, what about us? Like, yeah. it's so, it's super selfish, actually. Oh, and then we go in the. The crying the room. The crying room. Yep. With Ruth. Because Ruth is crying, so she has to be let off into a room, which, so which Nate is like, why does she have to go into a room oh to God. cry? Yeah. Nate, um, Nate is his usual chill self. Like, I agree with what he's saying, but the tone with which he's no, delivering it. No, but you're like, it, shut up. It yeah. doesn't matter. I, this, I mean, this is a recurring Nate thing, is he'll actually say something where you're like, it makes sense, but fuck off. Like, yep. stop it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and Ruth uh, confesses uh that she had a lover and that she will be going to hell, I think, is yep. what she, that she, oh, that he knows and that Nate knows. Yes. Nate, Nate Senior, rather, knows. She says, um, she says at one point, um, when somebody says it, I, you're fine. And she says, I'm not fine. I'm a whore. Yeah. Yeah. She, you know, she's crying and you can, you suddenly find out that her grief is like much more complicated because it's grief, but it's <laughs> also hairdresser. guilt. Is her hairdresser who she goes camping with? We went camping several times. Like it's so, oh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. amazing. Um, yeah, no, but that, yeah, that her grief is complicated that she like, that they, d- I mean, everybody has like unresolved business with Nate Sr., but like she has so much unresolved with him. Yeah. And, and, you know, David's reaction to this is like, mom, we're not talking about this. Yeah. And, and Nate's reaction, uh, which again, here's a part where I agree with Nate is like, no, like, th- like let her grieve, like yeah. let her talk about this. Yeah. And then they do have this. Claire's not in the room for this. Claire's not in the no, room. No, yeah. Um, and then they do have this like, mo- the, like eventually it's just Nate and Ruth in the room and and Ruth is sort of leaning on him and just sort of confessing to him and it's this you kind of see this moment where Nate is like oh like am I good at this yeah yeah okay so right before we go to the gravesite we have another phone call with Brenda oh that's right and on this phone call with Brenda we see um we see somebody else Played by Jeremy Sisto. How could, oh my God! How could we? Uh, how could we Jeremy forget Jeremy Sisto in a great cameo where he or a great introduction, whatever you want to call it, where he is in a cheerful Christmas sweater, weeping, going to, and we have heard from Brenda that like her brother goes off his meds during the holidays, and then we see it in full force. It's yes. just it's such a great little moment because you don't actually they don't like Brenda and and. Uh, this unnamed person it's her brother it's billy yeah it's billy it's billy um they don't say anything to each other you just see him walk in the background get something from the fridge like weep copiously and she just sort of looks at him out of the corner of her eye and that's it's such a great little like oh what are we going to be getting into in the future yeah like yeah what is this relationship i for one am excited about it yes i am too i am too um so so then we we finally get to a funeral and then Nate, you know, it, it, throughout the episode, but especially here, his sort of like disgust with conven- the conventions around funerals. Yeah. Uh, this this is sort of where it boils over. But he has these moments throughout the episode where he's like, I'm going to put my hands in the dirt, which I agree. I mean, which is uh, one of the rare moments <laughs> Nate is right. He like wants to put his hands in the, you know, hands in the dirt and throw it on his father's grave as right. opposed to using that weird little salt shaker thing. Yeah, salt shaker of soil. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, I kind of agree, you know, I kind of agree with them. There's this part we should talk about briefly where Nate is talking about a memory he has of like taking a boat 
yeah. uh, like off the coast of Sicily yeah. and seeing these Sicilian mourners um, yeah. like keening. And we actually get a flashback of this, which is very off tone for the show. Yes. This does not happen ag- again, maybe. No, no. Like, again, no, no spoilers. There's no more of the, but like where you see young Nate. Mm-hmm. And he's on a but you see him on the boat. You see him seeing this thing. You don't just see the thing. You Young see Nate his with reaction. a dreadful mullet. Yeah, he sees these Sicilian women throwing themselves on on coffin. Yeah, on and he's coffin. talking about this is how this seemed like you know because he grew up in the funeral home. Yeah, um, and he'd never seen anything. And he'd never like seen it. anything like yeah. that. And yeah, to have to for him to see these people just like shouting their grief and mm. like throwing themselves on the grave. So then he ends up you know bringing that experience to bear on his little freak out in the graveyard his his freak out that he makes too much about him but which also you know yeah I mean in his you know (laughs) we don't like the messenger but he's not wrong Mm -hmm. um and then uh that's uh he hugs Ruth and it's the second time anyone has hugged Mm -hmm. he like holds on to Ruth and Ruth too ends up picking up yeah Ruth does it helps her like he he really does help Ruth he's um, right in this episode. And David gets mad because it's his turf. Yes. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> turf. I see what you did there. We also see Claire's vision of her father here. Yeah. Which he's, is. He's like vacation. He's like party dad. Yeah. He's like sunning himself. And you kind of get the sense. I, th- I don't think we ever really learn much about Claire's relationship with Nate Sr. He was probably a different father to her than he was to Nate and David yeah. like because they're older you know they're like so much older than her that he's like maybe mellowed I mean or or something or he doesn't have to put the same pressure on her because she's a girl I don't know but yeah. they seem to have like more of a pal relationship she's the only one who has like a lovely moment with her yeah. grief ghost everybody else is yeah. like so fraud and like yeah. fucked up and she's yeah. just like it's cool yeah Oh, and we also get this brief, like, plot moment where the guy from the competing funeral home. Oh, yeah. This this plot line. No spoilers, but this plot line, guys. Yeah, we're, I actually think that this is the only part of this episode where I'm truly, like, this would not happen. Like, this is just there for, like, to get us into some plot. Yeah. You would not go to the funeral of the per- of the person whose business you're trying to buy it's a funeral business. You would mm-hmm. not go to that that funeral and be like, "Here's my card. Remember, we wanted. I talked to your dad, and he wanted us to. He was maybe going to sell to us. Like, you just wouldn't. No. I forget that guy's name, but we'll get it. We'll Croner. Figure. Cro- yes, yes, that's right, Croner. Like the cro- the Croner dude. Like it. I just can't imagine that happening. And then Brenda shows up at the funeral. Brenda does show up at the funeral. And, uh, and she and Nate have an extremely problematic exchange. Oh, yeah. Uh, doesn't Nate say that he is a serial rapist? So I have this written down here. Yes. Um, so they sort of talk about how maybe they will keep seeing each other um, yes. on the cash. Not she's on in the, the credits, cash. so you know it's real. She's in the credits, so you know it's true. <laughs> so they talk about how they're, they're maybe going to keep seeing each other casually, and then they have this little fucked up flirty conversation where um where nate says well i also happen to be a serial rapist got 10 nurses buried under my house and brenda says now you're making me wet wow at at a funeral at At a a funeral at his father's funeral father's funeral at his father's untimely death funeral yeah it's the ending, I really love this pilot, the ending, and then we get to the actual ending, which is, I think, wonderful, but that line would never fly today. No, it definitely would not. So then David goes to Keith's. Oh, that's right. 
So we've seen we've seen everybody except David have an explosion yeah. in this episode. Basically, like every Fisher has like had their free, moment has freaked out. of total freak out, like literally throwing things. Yeah. And David has been just Kept his suit together. has been buttoned, and he shows up uh, at Keith's door, and he is all like a little wet puppy, yeah. and he and his like his suit jacket's off, yeah. and he just comes in and he just like starts kissing Keith passionately. Yeah. And then he's but then he's sad. And he's so sad, but th- for him this is he like so great. I like my read on this is that for everybody else they had these like kind of moments of like rage and grief release and for him like this is his release. Like yeah. this is him letting go. He can't do it in front of his family. Well, yeah, that's the thing is he's the only one who has this like with someone who is not a fisher. Yeah. Which actually like puts him emotionally ahead of the game in a really big way. Well, I guess Nate has Brenda, but that's not. But he doesn't like freak out in front of her. That's he just true. like makes a terrible rape joke. Yeah. Um and and then and then we know Nate is going to stick around. We know by the end Nate is going to stick around and then he Ruth asked, her, asked him to stay for a few for days. For a few days and he's like, "Yeah, I don't whatever." And you're like, "You don't have anything happening." <laughs> it's also after Christmas. Yeah. But then um, Nate goes for a run. And then Nate goes for a run, and he runs to where his father got hit by the bus. And he and there's this great song. I looked it up. It's called "Waiting." It's by this band, The Devlins. Oh, okay. Which I've never heard of. But yeah, there's a, some good. We, it's I a jam. mean, we'll talk about it. But there's yeah. some great music mm-hmm. um, in Six Feet Under generally. But I didn't know this. This wasn't a song or a band that I knew. Um, and he, yeah, and he just starts to kind of get overwhelmed by like where he is it's something that like wouldn't happen now it's like a little like everybody's a person like Nate starts to kind of look at everybody's faces and you can tell that he's like yeah that person's gonna die and that person's gonna die and we're all gonna die and I can't deal with it and like he's so tortured inside well it's just Nate being like being like wait other people exist I just realized like just now yeah he's like oh first time in like 35 years everybody dies even though like my whole life is based around the fear that everybody dies if it's actually based around the fear that he dies he doesn't actually think about other people no he doesn't doesn't care about other people so so he and he just like but it's but the last shot is so beautiful like with him against that wall sort of like and there's a no loitering sign. there's a no loitering yeah. sign which again is like a little something a little, little something but like this but yeah. is you know it's like well he see he sees ago. his father's um ghost or get whatever. on the bus get on the bus yeah and then it like uh there's this great moment where like richard jenkins like raises his hand to sort of like wave goodbye yeah. to him and nate waves goodbye and then yeah it's nate's great. just like left there being like What's next? So I guess that was the the first episode of Six Feet Under. Yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, feel, good. I feel pretty good. How do you feel? Uh, I feel good. I oh, are we gonna grade each episode? Let's grade okay. each episode. So um, I would give this. I'm look. I'm gonna give it an A. It's a really good pilot. I'm gonna give it an A minus. I think I agree. I think it is also an A minus because yeah. um, it's a really it's hard to make a good pilot. Yeah. It and definitely is. The, the, this show knew what it was. It knew what it wanted to be. Totally. Um, I give it an A minus for some of the, the speaking, the subtext, yeah. um, a little too much. But, yeah. you know, it does happen. And for the uh, fake commercials. Which and I for hate. the fake commercials. I truly hate them. They're, so. they're really terrible. We didn't talk about them that much, but we don't need to. We don't need to. They go suck. away. And they go and away. Then we don't have to worry about them anymore. Um, great. So right. A minus for the Six Feet Under pilot. Jenna, we did it. We did it. We talked about all the things. 
Thanks so much for listening, you guys. We will see you right back here next week for episode two. For links to everything we talked about today and more information about us, visit our website at notoversfu.com. If you like the show, please subscribe, tell a friend about it, and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show. You can write to us at notoversfu at gmail.com or give us a shout on Twitter at notoversfu. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find me, Caroline, at, at Caroline V. McGee on Twitter. You can find me, Jenna, on Twitter at Second Husk, all one word. You can find our producer, Allison, on Twitter at Allison underscore Cherry, one L in Allison. This show is produced and edited by Allison Cherry. Our theme song was written by Matt Berger and Melissa Lusk. And our logo was designed by Caitlin Trishani. Until next time, be like the Fishers and keep on repressing.